0: Welcome to Another Pine with Shawnee B. It is a rainy end of summer day in London. We're in a little garden in the back of a hotel, hiding under an umbrella and hoping it doesn't start pissing it down. I have a very interesting guest today, all the way from Slovakia, my first Slovakian guest.
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, she's an actor, dancer, model and singer. She's also involved in a uh, sort of jazz, psych, hip hop music, which is something that I really don't know an awful lot about, so I'm very kind of virginal in this conversation here, and she's <laughs> going to have to lead me through it. She's recently been uh, the lead singer of a very famous musical collective called Heliocentrics. They've just released a new album called A World of Masks, where she is the vocalist on it, and their band are collective that have not used vocalists in the past, and she has been coined as the missing link for this band. Her name is Barbara Patkova and she is from Bratislava. Those of you from America who don't know your geography don't know where that is. That's in Slovakia, which used to be part of Czechoslovakia when they separated. I'm welcoming to the podcast Barbara Patkova.
1: Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm really well. Thank you for a Monday. (laughs) Have you been on a podcast before? Um, I've had some interviews. I don't know if they were podcasts, but yeah, I've done a a few. (laughs) Barbara
0: is going to share some of uh, her music with us today as well. So we'll probably have a couple of musical intervals, which will be nice to hear. Um, Tell me what it was like for you growing up in Bratislava, or did you grow up there?
1: Yeah, I was born there. It's a kind of a funny story because my parents have met. There is this telecommunications tower, and um, it's sort of in the middle of the city, but the city kind of goes around Mm. it. So you can see it from all parts of the city. It's an amazing place. You can go up there and there's a viewing point and from the top, it's got a speeding restaurant and you can see the whole of Bratislava.
0: Right. And
1: it's um, where the tower is, is the beginning of the Carpathian mountains, which hey. turns into the Tatras through Poland, because all the way to the Black Sea, it's a big mountain range, dividing Poland and Czech and Slovakia. Now was one country at one point, but, and that's where my parents met. Then my grandfather used to teach how to ski jump there, because it was kind of the beginning of national parks. Right. So it was in Bratislava in the capital, but we were in the forest. So I grew up in a forest. Okay. So the whole communication thing and the music thing and what I do is kind of, my parents met in a telecommunications tower. Yes. And, yeah, and that's kind of the journey that I've, That I went. So when you say grew
0: up in the woods, like where was your school? Was that far away? My school
1: was on the edge of the city, very small school, and quite often I didn't have to go to school because in the winter if a tree fell over the road, because there was no buses. If we didn't show up to school, they didn't really bother because they knew it was the kids up from the woods. Like yeah. obviously we couldn't. There was sometimes we couldn't make it. And
0: were you seen as the weird kids from the woods? No, 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 no not really. But you were living and growing up in nature, which yeah, must yeah, have yeah, been great yeah. Hence, compared to the kids today, which are yeah, all
1: no, I think hence kind of were part of my life journey. It was. Is I've actually trained as an ecologist. I have a degree in ecology. Oh, really? so Music kind of overtaken, but music always been in my life as well. But I think a lot of my lyrics are kind of about the mysticism of of nature and our yeah. relation to it. And I think. That How comes. did
0: you get into music? When you said it was part of your life from a young age, was your were your parents involved yes, in music? Or? I
1: was always that annoying kid who's always singing, and everyone's telling okay. me to shut up. And there's this picture of me when I'm about three or four. And I think it really epitomises like who I am, which is like you know I've got this sort of grey stockings on, and you know when you're a kid they kind of hang over your yeah. feet, and yeah. and I've got this white kind of wife beater vest, and I'm on a table in the living room, going, woo!
0: You're a ragamuffin. Yeah, and my dad's
1: <laughs> in the background turning the radio, and I'm dancing on a table. Brilliant! And since when I was a little kid, like at Christmas, I do this thing where I'd be like I do a performance for my mm. family at Christmas. So mm. I just go off and learn songs, and then I recite them in, in front of the fireplace, and it was all like my own initiative, but. Yeah. No one ever really quite sort of took that seriously on board, I think, and kind of... Did you have a
0: dream to be a singer?
1: No, 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 I just loved music and I was always writing little lyrics and it was really a way of expressing myself. I never thought I'd be a musician. The thing is, you know, I come from a very, um, I don't like the whole class thing, but, you know, my, there was maybe one person out of my own family that went to university and that's my grand auntie. And, you know, my mum never finished a degree, my dad never did. They're successful people in their own right. It wasn't something that was, seemed possible when I was yeah. growing up. My and grandma was a cleaner were... and, you know, my auntie's yeah. a cook and my dad's a cook yeah. and, you know.
0: And you, they grew up, I mean, you were around the time of the separation when, when, when Czechoslovakia split. Yeah. yeah. What was that like?
1: I mean, I was a kid. I grew up in communism, but only until I was about like eight or nine or something like mm. that. Thing is, even after communism ended, it didn't quite no, end. No, no. <laughs> yeah, the people who were in the government in Slovakia now are people who were in the communist government. Yeah. They just changed t-shirts and yeah. they are like, yeah, we're liberals now. You know, I still remember the times when you'd have a shop. It wasn't like now we have supermarkets and stuff. I mean, I didn't grow up having Bounty and Coca-Cola and all those products. We just didn't have that. But in a way, we lived really healthy because all the produce was made in Slovakia and there was no mad additives and all that kind of pre-cooked food and, you know, so in a way, it was a good, good healthy stuff. And then I went to, you know, when I was 16, I I left the country and it was, you know, I just went on holiday. I never returned. So tell
0: me what happened with that. Well, what circumstances did you leave? Well,
1: the funny story again is like when I was a kid, I used to have this little suitcase. and whenever. People pissed me off Mostly my family I'd pack it in And I'd be like You know what guys I hate you right now I'll see you later And I'd yeah. walk off With my little suitcase And my mum said Sometimes I'd go quite far Right. And she had to get the car And you know Go Find and get you. me And I was just off I was like I'm not having this Did you have a little
0: Teddy in there as <laughs> yeah. About, yeah
1: My mum still has it I just <laughs> put all my Little things Snacks An and apple <laughs> And a teddy <laughs> yeah. And a piece of cheese <laughs> Yeah I was like I don't need you I'm up." <laughs> and then basically But I, like were
0: you unhappy Or what, did, you, did you feel Constricted there I, or what was I, the... ha-
1: I hated authority And I think that's the way I'm weaving my through my life is yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of my own boss yeah. in life and I would do my own thing and I do it my way and I do it very differently to a lot of people mm. but I feel it satisfies me and that's kind of how I want to do things so I didn't like authority as well. I hated school, I mean mm. literally like and We're not always unt- getting suspended Yeah, totally, like right. I was writing you know, do the letters like A, B, C and then I'd close my book yeah. and the teacher would be like but Boda, what's going on, why well, you're not writing anymore I said I had enough of writing A's and B's I'm not doing it anymore. And then okay. I had to call my mom and it's right. going to be school.
0: <laughs> so again, you'd be called a difficult child. but you're Yeah, again, I was a difficult child. Part of well, It's a theme on all these podcasts. A lot of the people who've been on here have done that. Because actually what schooling is, is corralling people to conform. Hmm. So anybody who is different... Finds it tough, and then of course in the last twenty years everyone's got ADHD, Mm. and they give them drugs. But actually, what they probably are just creative people who can't fucking fit into the bullshit of conformity. Yeah, people just think
1: differently. We're unique creatures, every one of us, and I think everyone learns different. And I think schools don't cater for that. It's catered for like a really small margin of people, and then all the rest of us are just sort of mad ADHD or whatever they want to call it. Yeah, but No, I I
0: hate that though because it's almost like society labeling kids put them all in the one box Mm. and feed them drugs and suppress them you know it's not good so anyway you're 16 and then you went what right so i I had my
1: little suitcase and then when i was 16 it's kind of a mad story basically i was i won a tombola in my first year of high school
0: so tombola is a lottery Yeah,
1: yeah yeah yeah. and it was a free french course to learn french for six it was in two parts you got the first part free it was six months kind of intensive french course yeah and then if you saved up or if your parents had money, you go to Paris for the summer and do like the second part of the course with like a lot of young students from all over the world. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. So I did the course and everything and I had a job. I used to work in the bar at the time, you know, like in Slovakia. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: but you were you were saving money for this second part of the course. I was saving money. I was going to yeah.
1: go to Paris and yeah. I was, you know, I studied, I was doing French, but I didn't quite have enough money. Right. So, and you know, my mom was a single parent. so. I, I just sort of crawled up to my dad and was begging him for some money but he's never it's never quite easy to get any cash off my dad (laughs) so he was like no I'm not giving you any money but I've got some family over there some distant relatives
0: over in America yeah who
1: obviously ran away from communism, yeah. and also pe- even before that, people went on the big ships yeah, to go over yeah. to America. Yeah. In The, the in
0: Irish the- were famous for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly,
1: to find work. So he had relatives there that he didn't know very well, but he said, I've been in contact with them, and if you, know, you have enough for a ticket to go, Right. and I was like but I don't speak English so I remember oh that. you didn't speak English no 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 oh, no, no. Wow. so me and my friends were sitting and thinking oh my god it's a catastrophe what are you going to do and at the time I had like my first boyfriend you know and he really disappointed me and we split up and everything and I was thinking what am I going to do to sit here being miserable or I'm just going to go so I got a ticket to San Francisco <laughs>
0: mental at 16 <laughs> yeah with no English
1: yeah wow. and I went over there and it's surprisingly actually kind of in a way I'm lying that I didn't know English because I was translating the songs because I was always at the singing and I I always wanted to know because I just mime and then I'd always translate words to know so when I got there I've actually realized that
0: you had a bit I
1: had some words yeah. I knew some words but yeah. I just like I'd never studied it you're English perfect now yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> but I did go through Cambridge University okay somewhere. okay we'll come to that we'll come to that <laughs> but basically yes I went over there and I remember when I got picked up at the airport, I had this old British dictionary. So it's like British English. Cone and there was quite dictionary. a few hiccups like yeah. wherever Amer- Americans would be looking at me going, what is yeah. that word even? And they picked me up and I remember that there was. What enth- was your
0: first feeling when you landed in the I was just land thinking, of the thinking What am I going to do
1: here? Like, I don't know anything. I can't speak the language. But in a way, it was I had a really good time and and it changed my life completely. And I, I am where I am because of that decision yeah. I've made. But like. I remember getting picked up, and the guys who were staying, were proper hippies. They were quite old, right. but they were, hip, you know, they lived in Virginia, and you know, in in the forest, and they had yeah. long hair. And, they were proper old school hippies. And he picked me up, and he was like, "What's up? Welcome to California!" Yeah, yeah, And I was like, "What's up?" I look in my dictionary. What's up? And I'm thinking, "What's up?" Literally, like he must be talking about the flight or something, because yeah. like up, up, yeah, in, the up air. in the air. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Like no idea about slang or anything, but it's all. Were you scared? No.
0: No. No. It was a big adventure.
1: If I think about it, I think that's proper mad. Yeah, but like, I know, yeah. At the I'm time. I'm thinking that, yeah. <laughs> at the time, I was just like oh whatever was An your adventure. mother
0: thinking she'll be back next week oh
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my yeah. mama though and she was really actually very um, and you know I'm so thankful to my mother because she's always let us kind of do what we wanted to do and gave us the freedom I think other parents would be like come home now yeah. and after a couple of months I was like I'm not going back to Slovakia are you joking like yeah, yeah. you know I've come to a land where everyone's surfing and yeah. smoking weed and yeah. very liberal and did you li- get a
0: job or liberal
1: view yeah but I was illegal legal immigrant yeah, right, what, so it was yeah. all like it's well dodgy in there yeah. and it was a struggle to be honest with you in the first year, and at one point I almost come back because I tried to change from tourist visa to different visas, and I couldn't do it, and it was really difficult. And yeah, I couldn't. I tried to get people to be my guardians, but you know the American yeah. government yeah, was not yeah, having very any. very
0: difficult. Yeah,
1: was not having any of it. So, and so did I'm, you have
0: to jump in and out after three months, or did no, you just stick it and say? No,
1: I, I got married. Ah. Um, to my boyfriend, and we were in love at the time, and we and I met him straight away, and you know we fell in love, and we were together. So obviously, was like we probably wouldn't have gotten married straight away, yeah. and um, sadly he passed away now. I'm sorry but um, you. but yeah, we yeah we got married, and um, yeah, and then I stayed, and
0: and how long did you stay there for?
1: I was there almost four years.
0: Okay, yeah, and, and uh, you. But then
1: we got divorced, and then I felt a bit isolated because. So you got
0: an American green card then, did you?
1: I did, yeah, but because you get the green card and then you kind of have like a probation period with it mm-hmm. and you can't leave for longer than three months or something yeah. I can't remember and I just fucked off and <laughs> you know after that I was just like you know what United States just have it I don't want to yeah. be there anymore so yeah. yeah I just left and and some people would have thought I was mad I should have stayed along and, yeah. but I think as well because
0: But after like two or three years where you were able to speak English, you were married, I
1: I spoke English in in two months, in
0: two months. right? I went to
1: an American high school in two months and graduated with straight A's. It was mental. I think if you forced into a situation like that and there's no other option because there's nobody speaking Slovakian over there. Like these relatives that my dad had, they were like descendants. So they didn't speak Slovakian. So I was over there completely sink or swim, sink or swim. Yeah. And the mad thing it was, I remember going to the high school and having an interview, they did this test, obviously, like mathematics, and they tested me on all kinds of subjects. And then they said, you don't need to go to high school anymore. <laughs> but that's how bad the American education system yeah, is. Yeah, you're
0: way ahead of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh. I was
1: like, I've only done one year of high school in Slovakia. And yeah. they're like, I was like, wicked, I don't yeah. have to go. This is the best year new- I've ever. Well, I had to because you either, in order to go to university, you either had to be 18 or have graduation. So they said uh. to me, come for the last year and graduate. Really? Wow. So I'd literally like skipped years. And so the
0: Americans were calling you gifted?
1: I was gifted in the name of like knowledge, but I wasn't really gifted in the name of being kind of an outsider immigrant. Like, I was pretty yeah. isolated over there and none of the American kids really wanted to play or any yeah. of that. And so we had like a little gang of like some Serbian kid and, you know, Albanian and me. And yeah. that was us, the three of us.
0: And what age, did you, what age did you get when you got married?
1: Uh, I was 17 Wow I What was to, the
0: marriage like Was it, was it had a, had where, The mom, wedding was
1: it? I had to have my mum's permission Because <laughs> I was like so, Yeah I mean The wedding it was just me and my husband And the witness And then we had a little party In the garden right. His mum and his dad Really wanted to have A massive party And do a proper wedding Because they really loved me And I'm yeah. still in touch With all of them Okay and, okay but he was a bit freaked out by the whole thing. I think he yeah. was like, no way. So we just had a really small wedding. Right. But I remember going down to the interview at the immigration office and we're in the car and I was like, remember, 13 of August, that's how we got married. And we sit down and the first thing she asked him, she's like, when did you get married? And he's like, 11th of August. And I looked at oh, him and I was like, you that. idiot. And then we had like a little argument and she was like, oh, you definitely look like <laughs> a married couple. <laughs>
0: yeah. You then got into college in America?
1: Well, I was admitted to UC Davis, which is a really, really good university, um, to study marine ecology. That's kind of where I started to do a bit of singing. A friend of mine had a band, and I did some backing vocals, and I remember I did the backing vocals for um, this band called Tribe, and we've opened up at the Padaluma Theatre for the Black Eyed Peas before they've become massive. So, yeah, and that was...
0: What year are we now?
1: Oh, God, this is like 2000? Year 2000? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I was kind of because my husband was he studied environmental science and he actually also did work doing diving for like environmental projects. He really inspired me. And a lot of the people I met over there, obviously it's the redwood forest is such a biodiverse place, yeah, yeah. and a lot of his friends were ecologists. And me coming from that kind of background of growing up in the yeah. woods, anyway, it was like that seemed kind of a thing. And normally in, in the states, it's like you can either go to university for the four years or you can do the first two years in a college because it's cheaper. Of at the time, we didn't have loads and loads of money. I just opted for the college option. And in the end, our marriage broke down and everything turned really sour. And yeah. I could have stayed, but I've just decided that I just didn't want to be that far away from my family. And so then I left, basically. So I did the general education. I never finished my degree there. Mm-hmm. And I left and I came back to Europe. Ended up in, um, in London, another English-speaking country right. Slovakia was a bit too boring for me I think. Going well back.
0: this is a good po- a chapter end when you move to England and a good point to maybe introduce one of your songs for our listeners so why don't you do that?
1: Yes yeah, so okay so the song is from the latest album of the Heliocentrics A World of Masks is called and there'll this- be a link
0: to A World of Masks and how to buy it at the blurb of the podcast
1: It's a single that was released first and it's called Made of the Sun it's a kind of a ballad. Here it is So slow to grow. Coming to fruit now, where I know I felt your, I felt your prisons right.
0: That was the Heliocentrics Made of the Sun. Now this band is just uh, something that I haven't even heard about, but it's it's known for being a kind of a live improv type of band, right? and you've come along and you've you do a lot of improvised jams as well which must be, I don't know how you even begin to do that in reviews your versatility as a singer is something that people talk about yeah. like you've got an operatic ability and you've got dusky lounge room and you've got you've, you've got this so tell me a little bit about your the way you sing and the way that you improvise these things and how does that all work when you're with the band
1: um so yeah I mean the hear they've been around for a very long time when I got approached by a friend who knows them and who said they're looking for a singer I didn't actually know of them and when I went to check them out, I was like what how come I don't know about these guys? Yeah. I mean, they're like—I think personally—they're the best underground music that's happening in the UK right now.
0: So they were set up by a guy called Malcolm Kato. Cat- Cato.
1: Malcolm Cato, 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 Yeah, he's yeah. a
0: drummer and a producer, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean
1: he's like a total legend. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a drummer and a producer. He runs a quarter mass lab studios, uh, which
0: is an, an analog, analog yeah. massive analog yeah. studio. You yeah, they've got the
1: wicked, old, you know, they've got the tapes and yeah. all the old school equipment yeah. and valve mics, and and they're definitely going for that for that old school kind of sound. Yeah, they can jam basically, you know, mm. they, they can just go for hours. and There's a kind of a growth in the band now where they want to show that it's structure. They are capable of structure and structured songs. So I think that a lot of the stuff we do now is still groove outs, but also structured songs as well. But we'll
0: hear some more of the music uh, during the podcast. But one of the things when I was listening to some just in my research for this, because as I said at the top of the podcast, it's a very uh, new area for me to be diving into was when I hear them, I go, how like, is every concert different? There was a quote I, I read which was, I think it was from Malcolm, I'm not sure, for anything to happen, it must be at that time for the people in the room, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah. They talk about music that's impossible to write. But when you've done your gig, do you ever come off going, No, we fucked up that bit or you know, Oh yeah, yeah, I mean
1: every, yeah, totally. I mean we definitely do that kind of whole analysis where like, you know, quite often when we're on a tour we, we actually record the gigs from the desk ah, and then right. we listen back to yeah, them okay. and you know, analyze what worked and what didn't. Yeah. I, mean, I always hate that bit because it's so weird. Listen, yeah. To, you know, I love being there in the moment, but when you actually But there are
0: some times when you go up on stage and you just let it go, right? Whatever comes into your head.
1: Yeah, I mean Basically, like when I went on tour with them the first time around, it was a lot of improvisation. There's some some of the songs on the album, like Oh Brother, which we can we can play, play later, X, yeah. that song is what happened in the studio. We just got together. Yeah. I had some lyrics that I've written a long time ago, and they just played, and I was in the other room. So I obviously because I'm doing the vocals, so I was separate from the band, but we can see each other through glass, and they just grooved, and I sang. And that was that, that's the song. Like what you hear there is what happened there and then. That's yeah. really like... So
0: for you, for them, you must have been a sort of a, a muse who just walked into because it, it must be very hard for a traditional vocalist to be brave enough to go into that kind yeah. of scenario. And but just maybe
1: it's because I wasn't trained in music yeah, and yeah. I just come from my own little world of what I've been up to. And I've always sang my songs to other people's songs and I've always made things up. And I don't actually play, apart from I play an instrument, which is my own voice, but I don't actually play, you know, I don't know music. I don't read music in that sense. Like I'm not trained. But I do remember when we met the first time, I met them in the studio because obviously they've auditioned a few people. And I've come down there like with my little effects pedal. And you know, I was very intimidated because I've never been in a band with actual like, yeah, loads it, of people playing. It's play very music.
0: rare for I, I think for uh, anyone to say intimidation as a word that would apply well, to you. Well, you yeah, seem to be fearless. Like,
1: oh my god, there's real musicians. You I know, because I <laughs> know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was at the time I did have this little band. We're called Puncture Sluts. It's a bit of a rude name, but we're like an electronica trio, and there's three of us live drums a guy doing um, he had a DJ mixer and so he was doing like effects and stuff on a mixer and then he was playing bass and I was singing it was a really small setup and more electronic than like having loads of instruments Yeah. and you know there was like six or seven people in the room and I just rubbed up there and I was like oh. and i listened to all their music and I you know when you sort of kind listen of to some kind of crap music think,
0: is that what it's called or sort of a bit of that or?
1: their music I don't know it's a bit of, to be honest with you it's, it's really it's really hard to pin down what it is because They've released jazz albums, yeah, Afrobeat albums, yeah, psych you know, and all sort that, of, yeah, yeah and psych and yeah. it's a bit kraut rock. Sometimes it's a yeah. bit of a mixed bag, yeah. and I think that's what makes it so amazing. And yeah. uh, my friends have come to to the gigs. Were just like that is the best thing I've heard in ages because yeah. it's so different from anything I've heard. It's
0: mesmerizing. I mean, the stuff um, I've seen. There's a lot of stuff if you if you type in heliocentrics into say YouTube, you'll see a lot of the live performances, which are just mesmerizing and. And, and it's uh, very much
1: more a kind of about being an immersive experience. So we've got the visuals and like yeah. we almost don't like doing gigs without the visuals because yeah. it's really important. But when I first met them and I walked into the room and they said, OK, so we're just going to play something and you just trying to do something to it. And Easy. I was like, OK, and then played and I had my pedal and did the Slovakian song. And I just sang and then I just thought, wow, this works really amazingly. And you know, we finished it, we looked at each other and then they you know, then they called me up and they said, Wicked, you wanna come on tour? And five weeks later I'm like touring Europe and like two months later I'm singing in Japan. I was just like getting paid. I was like, This is amazing. (laughs) So yeah, and then I'm just like a permanent member now.
0: So let's work up to how you got into that room with them. You, you, you've you arrived in England and uh, you wanted to be in an English-speaking country and Slovakia was boring. What did you do when you landed in England?
1: Um, well, I had a friend here and we ended up actually then going out together okay. um, for eight years and he's my best mate still and I'm I'm godmother to his children right. even though we're not together. <clears throat> Basically, um, I got here and I went to study. I wanted to continue on this ecology thing. So, But when I came to England with my general education degree from the United States, they laughed at me. They were like, oh. So I had the reversal of like, I went to the States and they were like, oh, you never have to go to school again. And then I came back with the um, American education to England, England yeah. and they were like, ha, 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 you like might this. as well
0: tear that up.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I had to go back to do A levels. Oh, boy. I know. And this is, I'm like 23 or something. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, she did it. it. Yeah, I went back. Look at the
0: person who the teachers said, oh, she's not good at school and how you were able to do Yeah, like, well, another thing is, so I went to, to Southern
1: College, yeah. Um, and it was a funny college. You know, half the time we didn't have teachers, and I was yeah. the one who got everyone to sign a petition yeah. to say we don't have to go and do the attendance because. If we've got some guy sitting there who's got no clue about chemistry, why should I pay three quid on the bus to go there and sit in a class where I'm just doing my own studies anyway? So, yeah, yeah, I did the uh, A levels. I've got all straight A's. I said, I'm going to apply to Cambridge. They were like, no, don't do it. You're not going to get in? It's a waste of time. Like my own teachers were going, don't do it. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care what you say. Yeah, I had an interview that was sort of—I thought it went catastrophically bad. Right. I remember that. I remember coming out of the interview. There was still the I was still time in the time of telephone boxes and calling yes, people yes, on yes, landlines. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I called my boyfriend and said, so I'm, "I'm definitely not getting in." Went to the pub, had three One shots question, of vodka. One question though:
0: what, the, the, the sort of conformity of Cambridge and the conformity of British public school education? Mm. What was the appeal to someone like you of that?
1: Because they were the only degree where, it was called natural sciences, and it was the only degree in the whole country where you could combine physics, chemistry, and biology. And I thought the idea of mixing different subjects together broadens the horizons of what you can achieve and how you can view a situation. So hence, that's why I chose that degree, because it was the only degree that did that. Because I left home when I was 16, I was perceived as an orphan. So they gave me a full bursary. They waived all my fees, they waived the Cambridge fees. And revenge. they gave me a scholarship to go. Wow. So I thought, if I get on that wagon, I don't have to pay any fees. or yeah. get an sc- actual bursary to be there. Every week you get to meet with the experts in the field. Yeah. And it's only two or three of you. And you get to ask them questions. And yeah. I thought, that is like the best for me in terms of education. I of mean, course. I didn't like sort of mood of Cambridge well
0: that's what I was thinking I mean, what, what, what were you thinking when you first walked oh, through the Halloween? after the
1: first year I wanted to leave if it wasn't for my boyfriend at the time who was saying look you've worked so hard you here, did yeah. the whole A levels yeah. man you've got the best he was like just stay and I was like I hate this place yeah. all my mates were actually from outside the college and then I ended up forming an old girl band and that was kind of like my first actual band I was in and yeah I really hated it but in, in the end I kind of just thought I'm just going to do my thing because I love my subjects and I just read loads about the subjects and yeah. I skipped loads of lectures as well. And in the end, you know, whatever, I got, I didn't get a first, but I got a 2 1 or something. Yeah. I did all right. I didn't do the formal halls because, you know, they've got this thing, the formal hall where. Everyone gets in the gowns and yeah. The college subsidizes like fancy dinners and yeah. you know, they're all sitting there smoking, smoking yeah, cigars drinking whiskey you just and being all a,
0: a square peg in that. And I was party, like, yeah. What's
1: wrong with you or Like, you know, <laughs> where's 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 the party? Like, where's the party? Where's the drugs? <laughs> <laughs> but they're all like, Oh doing some choral singing. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. But, yeah, it wasn't my so game.
0: you came out of Cambridge with a two a two one degree in Ecology ecology. Yeah. And what were you gonna do then?
1: I went for my first job interview and I didn't get the job, but they liked me so much that they created a position for me right. in the company. I didn't have the experience for the job because it was handling, it was working for a youth charity okay. that was dealing with in, sort of inspiring young people to get into environmental issues and social justice stuff. So yeah. it was very related to my subject, but more in communication. Because okay. I realized when I went there that actually I'm not a good scientist, I'm not good at analyzing data. I find as soon as I have to analyze data, I'm really good at communicating the beauty of nature and the inspiration like you know when you get a scientist and they're really nerdy yeah. and they can't quite explain the science but I could really tell you because I just had a different way of viewing it so again the communication from and inspire people about nature and environment and technology so I got this job and obviously because I don't like authority that, was, that wasn't going to last very long because yeah. I was just wanted to be the boss or my own boss <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I ended up getting a big job to do this um to it was really random my friend was working as an art curator at the mm-hmm. big show festival and um i had this mad idea about the cinema that you ride in on bicycles and you hook the bikes up and you power the cinema and she was like that's an awesome idea do you want to do it and i was right. like you're joking she's like yeah yeah we can give you like ten thousand pounds wow so i found some scientists in cambridge and we did it and um, so what
0: was on the what was on the screen when you started cycling
1: uh, just a movie, um, short right. films. Short yeah, films. We got loads, right. we've got loads of people to do short independent films right. from all over UK and the world. So
0: when no one's in the room, there's nothing on, and then you have yeah, to get yeah, in and get yeah. on. Yeah, and everyone and, gets in. It's like had, a kind had, of a gym bike. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, right?
1: yeah, and we had the Asherettes waving people and giving them water and lollipops. And how
0: many bikes were in the room? We had 10. Wow.
1: Yeah, so I did that, and then out of that, loads of schools and places got in touch and said, this is a really good, like, projecting." To talk to people about renewable energy and especially kids because they're very yeah. physical and it's a way for learning and it kicked off and then i started getting paid to take it to school assemblies and stuff so then i set up a company to do workshops and art projects because yeah. i thought this is really cool let's communicate with kids but in a more fun way like not like someone's just talking at you and going yeah. don't use this much electricity because it's bad for the environment let's do something fun that's physical yeah. and it... so then i set up my own company and did that for a few years and I had an office at the Hackney City Farm here, and I got a grant to to take a ship, put a shipping container in the in the farm, sort of cut it with wood and put a green roof on it, and I had an office there. At one point, it was about three of us working full time for the, for the company, wow. and it was amazing because we had an office in the heart of Hackney, and we were literally sharing the pigsty. Because when you looked out, it was these two massive ginger pigs were sharing the, and then you saw <laughs> the donkeys and the chickens, wow. and then yeah. But um, I gave all that up because the singing was kind of becoming like I was starting to get paid and then I've realized actually like singing's where my heart's at yeah. it's where my heart's at it's that's really truly who i am i'm a performer i'm a person to stand there and really connect with people and communicate through the form of music and i think that's where it's at for me so i just
0: Let's hear another one of your uh, one of your tunes.
1: Yeah, I'd i I'd, I'd like to, to play Oh Brother. Oh Brother as you talked is,
0: about earlier. This is
1: the track I talked about earlier. As you hear it, that's that's what happened there and then.
0: Heliocentric's O oh Brother. Okay, so that was Oh Brother by the Heliocentrics, and don't forget you can buy their new album A World of Masks on the links at the end of the podcast we're now at the time when uh, you've just decided music is your heart's desire yes and we've covered earlier how you sort of first introduced yourself to this band but how did they find you? well they
1: didn't find me I think I kind of uh, well, basically, I lived on a boat in London for quite a few years. Ah, on,
0: a, on a barge? Yeah. You're the second person I've had on the podcast who lived on a barge. Yeah. J.E. Um, McIver.
1: And at one point, my mom moved to England as well, and she lived on a little boat. Ah. And my mom is a really amazing cook. She, re- she used to run a lot of restaurants. And, and so I used to get temporary events notices, and we turned my mom's boat into like a cafe. Right. She'd be cooking goulash at the back of the boat. And we turned my wheelhouse into a bar. And then I have bands on my deck. Great. And so so we just used to put on parties in the summer. You know, every few weeks we'd, we'd do it around the park. And I used to sometimes put up a screen. So we had like a, uh, visuals. visuals and yeah. cinema as well after yeah. the music. Julia, who also lives on the boat, who obviously comes to one of the events, saw me singing. And her kid goes to school with Malcolm Cato's ah, son. okay. So this was like a primary school deal. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> you know, that's standing there in the courtyard of the primary school and he's kind of going oh if you know any singers we're looking for someone to take on tour and she's like oh I well, was saying that you know I've seen this girl she lives in a boat and she's using a pedal and I think she'd be really cool for you guys yeah. and so she gave me their number and she said call these guys and I called him up and five weeks later I was touring
0: so what was it like when you first went out touring
1: it was amazing but it was also quite scary because some of the gigs were quite big you know thousands yeah. of people yeah. and I remember about my fourth gig was Giles Peterson's festival for his label Worldwide in set. I was, I mean, I wouldn't say I was petrified. I'm never really petrified, but you definitely get a few butterflies in there. I bet. You know, I remember getting a special thanks of him at the end because yeah. it was like this is only her fourth gig
0: but it's amazing the, the, the people who've been reviewing and f- who are you know the heliocentrics as a band a, a line I read somewhere which was you know you're the almost missing link that you've elevated that, you know you brought something really a whole new layer to them it, it's, it's astonishing the sliding doors aspect of your life where you know just there's all these things that pop up and you jump on them and you grab them and yeah. you know, a lot of people would be afraid of doing stuff like that or that fear wouldn't work or they wouldn't be good enough and fear you know. is the
1: only thing that stops you isn't it? i mean i really do think there's only two forces that work in this world and it's love and fear yeah. and you're either fear or you love and if you love you have nothing to lose because yeah. you love life i mean i and this is the thing you know like what i just told you like a funny couple of weeks and i've been feeling a bit down mm. it's really unusual for me because i'm a total lover of life you yeah. know like life is amazing and yeah. we are here to to take on these opportunities you yeah. know when they arise jump for it go for it yeah. what can happen yeah. it's a learning process I've done loads of things I failed in you know and I yeah. mean I failed bands failed projects yeah. failed general education degree and then yeah. I had to go back and you know yeah. in the end it took me seven years to get a bachelor's degree but yeah. I thought I was uh, I was ahead and with the heliocentrics it's a weird one because when I go on tour with them we're we're just like old mates you know yeah. like I was a bit afraid of that because I was thinking oh, I'm gonna go tour with all these men and I don't mm. know and in the end they're all just like my brothers so it's just a different kind of vibe it's right. like we really work very well together and and it just reflects itself in the music as well when i'm in the rehearsal i look around and just think is this real like i'm like i've landed in yeah. for me the possibly the best band yeah, yeah. there is for me because I have my own free creative reign because I was really afraid. I joined a band and I have to... Because I'm not a proper trained musician, Like I have to repeat the things the same way. And even though I'm a better at that now, and yeah. I, I can do that now. But before I was a bit like, oh, oh. you know, do that on an offbeat. And I'd be like, ah, oh, what? And so, because there's so much free reign in creativity and because... You know on that on the world of masks i've written all the lyrics and i've written all the melodies it's my yeah. work and i think there's a different approach when something is a piece of your thing you feel better ownership over it and you feel more motivated and inspired and yeah. and that's kind of how we work like i get to write my own stuff obviously malcolm is like the father of the operation mm. so you know if, if i do something he doesn't like it he'll be like oh i don't like that right. then i go do something else yeah And the thing is, at first, I think I I see some people, musicians who work with us, find that really quite frustrating. For me, this is a growing process, and I push my own boundaries. But
0: you clearly have so much trust in him, because he's the visionary of the band, and he, even for someone of his stature and standing, to take an untried... Yeah! For for them to do that was amazing as well, you know? So there's obviously this great trust between you, and I mean... the, the word telepathy comes out a little bit as well where you guys all seem to and it, it must be very hard for a band like that to find the piece of the jigsaw as well well that's that it they, I that mean they, they
1: said they were looking for singer for years but mm. they never they had a lot of people come in because some of the critics they said that sometimes I'm like an instrument yeah. and that sometimes when I'm not in instrumentals people almost think I'm there but yeah. I'm not because there's some kind of instrument that sounds a bit like me and it's like I'm not necessarily want to be like, I'm the front person of this band. You know, I don't mind being an instrument because really that's what voice is. You know, and I think definitely like Malcolm's got a dominant role in the band, but everyone's also got a creative input. And if someone comes with a song, you know, he's willing to try everything. And, you know, it's like I deeply admire the person and all the rest of the people in the band actually, you know, they're really amazing musicians who've been doing this for years. You know, I'm like a novice compared to all of them. So even though I've got like probably quite a big ego as well, sometimes I'm like Whoa.
0: yeah but I don't see that in you I see I see a uh, almost a curiosity and a, and a e- people with big egos tend to only do what their ego permits them to do and I, I don't see that in you I see sort of a kind of a there's a child in you that goes yep yeah, I'm interested in that and I go after this and yeah, that's very well, different I
1: said that recently actually I did a little post on my Facebook and that's exactly what it was is that my motto at the moment is is I want to be like a child Yeah. because when you see kids how much they enjoy something know, and they just they just fly into stuff they want to try everything
0: and curiosity you know. why do we
1: lose that as, I, we, yeah. as, as we grow we should always have that child within us and you know people say like, oh don't be like a child and it's like actually be like a child Yeah. if we were all a bit more like a child because you know children forgive each other Yeah. they don't no, sit there they don't play politics brewing
0: well even in business I mean I worked in the advertising industry for too long you know, I used to joke if some of the guys who I worked with and girls brought their kids in, they'd probably be able to solve our problems much quicker and much more creatively than we are because yeah. we're too following the bloody traditions.
1: <laughs> What's the
0: future holding for you? you found your, your purpose?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to do music. I mean, it's tough because it doesn't earn very much money. So I've struggled actually since I've given up my company and have been doing loads of other work, like whatever comes mm. and gives money that's not necessarily music, but I'm yeah. trying to find my way. of. I'm really good at writing the lyrics, so I'm trying to see if I can do some lyric writings for people and more stuff like that. But me and my my partner, because he's he's a music producer, we started a project together that's more electronic. I was not a wicked little band um, that I told you about earlier, but um, we've split up because how it is with bands is that quite often people have other jobs. I did come to realize that I have to be in the struggle because if I just get another job now, I'm not really being true to what I'm doing and I really got to just stick with it yeah. and even though it's super tough sometimes and I have to lend money off mates yeah. and, and sometimes people see the pictures of you on a big stage and they're like wow you've really you're made you're a rock star you're yeah. a rock star but it's like you know I had my mates to buy me gas the other day and yeah. invite him for dinner and no, my friend, <laughs> said, my, my friend Gavin
0: you, who's a musician in Ireland who yeah. he, he said that the music industry is like that the compressor in Star Wars, and the, the <laughs> things are closing in, and you, you just keep wanting to make doing your art, but you haven't got any money, and you don't know what to do. <laughs> and I've now got two kids, and or whatever, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's really hard, man. It's, it's also the collapse of the music industry, where it's now not about record sales, and you know nobody buys records or albums, yeah. and really anymore at the, the sort of levels that they used to. And it's all about performance, and you have to be great and big to get lots of money from performance. And yeah, it's no, a,
1: exactly.
0: It's a doom loop spiral. And
1: if you're in a band, it has eight members then even if you yeah. get decent money, once you split it between yeah, everyone, it's yeah. absolutely nothing.
0: What about away from music? What What's your view on the world?
1: Oh, my view on the world is to stay positive. The most of the view that we see is twisted. I think if you pay too much attention to all the bad news, your heart freezes in cynicism. That's why I think like do loads of psychedelics and loads of things to open your do mind. You to,
0: do you try to ignore the news or do you, do you No, such... I
1: don't try to ignore the news, but I try to take the news with a pinch of salt when is there positive news on the news like you don't really see the BBC talking about like you know Musk's you know that project with these trains that are in the vacuum or the vehicles yeah, that are you yeah, know, yeah. in the, the vacuum they can the go The
0: loop thing. Yeah, Yeah, yeah
1: man. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can travel half an hour Thas from miles an hour, New yeah. York to, to Washington. And yeah. this is technology that doesn't really need fossil fuels. Yeah. You know, we can power houses with these Tesla batteries now yeah. and technology is there. The only thing that's stopping us is just old ways of looking at the world. Yeah. But I really do believe that the conscience is changing everything's coming out and people are a lot more open yeah. to see the world for what it is and you know, yeah, it is happening absolutely. alongside yeah. all the crap that's happening yeah. but I think the crap just gets more cred because well there's a
0: there's a positive spin on the whole Trump Brexit yeah. climate change thing is that there's a wa- an awakening happening mm. and so this is fucking getting out of control
1: yeah totally and I'm,
0: I'm really intrigued to see a, if Trump lasts, which I don't think he will, because I think he's a guy walking across a landmine yeah. and he seems to be avoiding these landmines. Someday he's going to step on one. It's going to blow him into a million pieces, I mm-hmm. hope. Yeah. But then who comes after him? The galvanization of people coming out. Even the even the the, the, the Corbin performance in the last election where inequality yeah. is, is one of the biggest issues. It's the same in my country, in Ireland. Yeah. People's voices are starting to be louder and it's, yeah. it might end up in pitchforks and, and flaming torches, but so be it. You yeah, know? totally. Yeah. I mean,
1: so chaos predecessors great things quite often and Indeed. things do really need to break down for change to happen, isn't it? It's yeah. like a relationship that just got to go because when you're in it, you can't quite see what's going on and sometimes it just really needs a good shakeup. Change is with every person. The society where we live in and the way world works now is people don't have the time to reflect. Society is ill because people don't have space to develop yeah. love for themselves that they can extend to the other parts yeah. of, of their life and the world and yeah. I think that it's a bit more about spiritual development yeah. and I'm not in a kind of like who's spiritual hippie yeah, or like yeah, yeah. religious sense in more like a sense of there should be meditation yoga yeah. and healthy Philosophy. diet and ph- you know that yeah. all this kind of stuff it, that is starting to penetrate our society and it's starting to become more mainstream yeah. but I think that's really where it's at like in I think it's in education and in changing how that works because the way education works now is bringing people into the world that don't know what they love and they don't believe in themselves. If you don't believe in yourselves, you'll never believe in the future yeah. can be different because you're. How can you? It's it's all about the dream, isn't it? And someone told me before, like if you don't think you're going to make it. If you have a doubt, if you have that door of doubt there, it yeah. always gives you a way out. Yes. But if you go, we can do this, we can, yeah, we, yeah, can, we, can we can, we can, we can, we can, then, we can. then we can.
0: My last question, what would you say to the 16-year-old self who was boarding the plane in Bratislava to go to <laughs> San Francisco if you go back and talk in her ear? I'd
1: say go for it. It's the yeah. right choice.
0: <laughs> You're doing the right thing. <laughs> Bara right, Pakova, thank you so much for coming to Pinewood 20. That was brilliant. I loved thank that conversation. Play us out with another song.
1: Okay, so this is the last one from the album, which is um, A World of Masks. And it is a one where I'm singing in Slovakian. So this is for any Slovakians out there who are okay. listening. <laughs> Our new it. audience. <laughs> Thank you very much what, for having what me. What is the name of the song? A World of Masks. A World of Masks. So also, the, yeah, this is the title track from the album. the last The best one. of luck with everything. You're Thank such you a great much. person. Thank you very much. <laughs>